Greg Tilston, where are you? I'm right here. I'm right here. Are you? Yeah. We should uh, do our podcast by just whispering. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. That could be our niche. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Welcome to the pre-show. Welcome to the pre-show. We've got a few minutes here, but Greg, coming up in the new year, we're getting, we're having Love Her Madly. Jim Morrison is coming on the podcast. Jim Morrison. Next year. Wow. Absolutely. He's making, uh, now we're not speaking with Jim Morrison. Oh, oh. But he will be making an appearance. Uh, Bill Cosgrave. Who hung out with uh, Jim Morrison before the doors, as well as Jim Morrison's girlfriend, Mary, uh, down in Venice Beach, California. Venice Beach, California? Venice, California? Venice Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Has written this book, Love Her Madly, about his time hanging out with both of them. And I've reached the point where... Mary breaks up with Jim Morrison. Um, well-written book. It's written like a thriller, this book. Really? Um, very insightful. I'm really looking forward to speaking with, uh, with Bill uh, nice. about his book and about his time. Um, yeah, with, uh, with Jim Morrison as well as, uh, as, as Mary. Mary Werbelow. I believe it's how you pronounce your last name. The book is published by Dundurn Press, a Canadian uh, publisher. So, Dundurn, yeah, th- also the publisher of the Horseshoe History book. That's right. Guess who else is coming on the podcast of the new year? Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen. Leonard Jim Cohen. Morrison and Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen's coming. Boy, do we get the scoops. You, I'm te- Greg, who else gets guests like these? No one. Not us. Leonard Cohen will be making an appearance. Perfect. Uh, on the podcast, again, a book called Leonard Cohen, Untold Stories, The Early Years, written by Michael Posner. Michael's going to be coming on the podcast, so I will need to read 700 450 pages Perfect. of Leonard Cohen. Ain't it great? So uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Welcome to the music.com. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hi, I'm Chelsea June. And I'm Yai. And we are Twin Flames. You are listening to... Welcome to the Music. Welcome, 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 welcome. Perfect. You guys have done this before. Is, did I say it right? You did. did I, okay, okay, good. <laughs> you, know, you know what the funny thing is? It's, it's so funny how many times uh, guests blow that part, and then we all have a good laugh about it, and I, I just leave it in the oven. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, we do make one brain a lot of the times, and with my previous, uh, uh, or my childhood, and my hockey and stuff like that, a lot of concussions, and then my wife with her recent concussion, it's uh, it's a little bit difficult with uh, with uh, memories at the moment. Okay, let's oh my- focus. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a full circle. There yeah. we are. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, Chelsea, we we don't like focusing on this podcast. This is going to go in so many so many different directions. Like like yeah, was saying at the beginning, you know, free flow. Um, awesome conversation, but anyways, thank you so much. Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Really excited to chat with you, and thanks for reaching out uh, last week um, to to make sure we we got this um, in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess first things off, congratulations on the uh, the release of uh, of Omen. Thank you, thank you. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been weird because it's COVID times, but uh, uh, the music must go on. Yeah, for sure. It, it must. I guess as as you were planning to release this, uh, I guess before you know, you guys probably had ideas of. I don't know, going on tour, doing a lot of different things uh, with the album. Then, of course, COVID has sort of changed everyone's plans. Um, but but how has it been um, supporting the album? I mean, the whole thing was kind of, uh, you know, it was a work in progress pretty much starting in 2019. And we had a really awesome, busy 2019. And so we were just constantly trying to find time to finish the album in between touring and showcasing and, and just hustling really, because it's a music industry. So you can never really stop. And I think like with 2020, um, you know, we'd just gotten off a tour in Manitoba when the world kind of shut down. And so we were sitting on this almost finished album and it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, well, you know, as artists, we have to be creative. We have to be problem solvers and find ways to get things done. And so we kind of just put our heads together with our producer, Jacob Jones. And we were like, what are we going to do? Like even studios are closed. Um, So between him and Yayi, they decided to, to build a home studio and uh really all that was left was tweaking our lyrics a bit and finishing up the vocals so we were able to do that um in real time with our producer he was like coming in through nexus and zoom and recording us live in our studio booth uh, watching us through webcam so it was really really like hence the zoom name for us space station capsule um it was really futuristic uh it was kind of crazy and it, it did grant us the gift of time. You know, I think as musicians, we're constantly chasing time and we never seem to have enough of it, uh, especially for the creativity part. And it's just, it's so essential into what we're putting out in the world. So um, it kind of gave us this time to just take a deep breath and really focus on the album and really focus on the songs and kind of take some of them apart and really um, just hone in on the messages and and how important um, some of those things were for us to say uh, in this moment in time. And it just happened to be an omen and it happened to be a lot of songs that were about the times we're living right now, even though we had written most of them in 2019. So go figure. Uh, and I was going to ask you about that because like, like how much, how, how much did the album change as you were writing and recording during these times? I don't think uh, any of the content itself changed except for the fact that we reworded some of the words in order to Mm. be much more attractive lyrically. Um, I think that uh, in, in all, in all honesty, um, these are songs that were kind of uh, lingering some of them for the, for the past 15, 20 years. Um, And I think it was just from, from childhood and listening to elders and uh, listening to my grandparents and and being on the land and same for Chelsea visiting with elders and talking about and reclaiming reclamation and, and culture and so a lot of these uh, a lot of these four foretold stories were were something that have been passed on uh, a millennia was there ever thought uh, Yai uh, or, or Chelsea that to, to sort of pause uh, the release of the album and you know, and, and sort of re- revisit it at a later date? I think there was, uh, obviously, there was a few people that were saying, uh, you got to wait, you got to wait, you got to, like, uh, everybody, everybody is uh, at a standstill, nobody's going to be tuning in. But for us, mm. uh, because in, in all in all respects, uh, we, we've always been that statistic, and we've never done anything as, as per what the industry expects. So we've always fought on, and everything we do, we have done ourselves and we're up to where we are at just from hustle and Hmm. I think in all in all honesty if we really wanted to we were to release in October of 2019 that was our first goal that was our first goal and then it just became too busy for us Uh, we were going to the states we're going to Australia we're going to all these different places uh, showcasing we had six official showcases last year Uh, so that that got us 
very busy. We had to turn the seventh one down in New Orleans uh, just because mm. uh, we were just, everything is self-funded as well, right? So uh, for us, um, maintaining that uh, momentum, uh, ensuring that we release something because we didn't want to wait till 2022. And that's what people were kind of like uh, uh, saying, okay, their music is not going to start till 2022. But what, what are we going to do in the meantime? I mean, music does not become stale and just not be released. So mm-hmm. we said, okay, we're going to do it anyways. And uh, we just, uh, we just took that chance. And I think just having the, first like Facebook live show that we did, like before we knew anything was going to like, I think it was like three, went three weeks into the pandemic. Sure. Like it was like, I think 10.5 K people tuned into the live stream on That's Facebook amazing. live. And we were like, Oh my God. Right. Like it is amazing. And it just, we're so fortunate. It was like, people were dialed in and people were hungry to change their minds. So it was like, okay, why can't we use this as an opportunity? Yeah. We're not going to get to tour it the way that we should in the order that we should, but if we're able to get our music out there to our fans, um, to new fans or to people that might need it, especially right now, um, we just kind of took that as, as an opportunity. And we also took the chance that it was a huge risk, you know, we might not uh, get the kind of publicity that we had hoped for, um, but you know it's it's baby steps in 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 all aspects of this of this beast of an industry. And uh, I think we're both pretty happy with how how things turned out and just um, having had it come out because we hadn't released since uh, 2017. So it was kind of oh. like we couldn't have waited personally. I guess we both had had that discussion. Like it would have been too long if we waited any longer. So yeah. um, we let it be born into the world. <laughs> that is amazing. I was As I was uh, reading up on, uh, on Twin Flames, um, you know, it talked about different places where you've played and, and France popped up. Uh, so I'm really curious um, uh, about that in terms of um, an audience uh, in, in a French-speaking country listening to, um, I guess, indigenous folk rock or folk pop. Like, to tell me about uh, playing in France. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start and I'm going to let my wife finish it because she okay. tells it so well as well. Uh, <laughs> but when we were invited... Um, we had been asked to write a song for the Folk Alliance International. The executive director had uh, reached out to us and asked us if we could be the artists in residence for uh, Folk Alliance International. And that year they wanted to do it in Montreal. And normally they do it down in, uh, in uh, uh, somewhere in the States, yeah. <laughs> uh, Missouri, Kansas somewhere, City. Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. So um, the, he asked us if we could uh, write a song for 2019 being the year of indigenous languages uh, was okay. a celebration. And so they asked us to do a song mm. and, and they wanted to pair us up with UNESCO That's right. uh, and United Nations. So we, um, we ended up uh, having this uh, lengthy conversation mm. over the phone and he said, there's a, there's a catch. Uh, you gotta, you gotta be done under a month. Um, so we uh, often, often did our, our best under pressure. So right away after that phone conversation, uh, uh, after we hung up the phone with Angus Finnan, um, we ended up uh, going upstairs and saying, uh, "Okay." The the word human was was popping around in my head, and unfortunately, with today's. Uh, uh, social media and how people portray that they are um, uh, socially classed in in certain colors and and, and uh, in the economic structure. Uh, we said, but we're all the same. We're all the, we're all human. Mm. And 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 the essence of, of of Inuk or Inuit it means the people. It means it means uh, human beings, and that's the same thing for Anishinaabe. Uh, the term Anishinaab and a lot of the, uh, the, the terms that are used to, to signify each, each uh, indigenous culture, it all means human because at, at, in those times, there was no color, right? It was the river people, it was the, the inland people, the farmers and, and whatnot. So for, for, for that in mind and the essence of being alive, Inuvunga, when I say Inuvunga, I'm saying I'm alive. I'm also human. And I am Inuk, so the, the, it's it's it, it's a very 
um, strong word when we hear it. So that's, that's when we decided, okay, uh, we're going to write that song. And then out of nowhere, we, uh, we also get invited for the launch in, uh, in France for UNESCO's Year of Indigenous Languages. It was like a double invitation. Angus Finnan from Folk Alliance International had nothing to do with the invitation from France. From UNESCO. From UNESCO, from which is their headquarters is. Yeah. But he ended up having been invited as well. So we ended up having uh, <laughs> coffee over there as well. Yeah, I guess we were meant to be there. It was just such an incredible experience to, to kick off the start of our... Or 2019, you know, I, I I remember staring at my boarding pass, being like, as if this is really happening. Like we're yeah. going to we're going to Paris, France. Like it is unbelievable. And you know, um, getting to be at the launch of of the initiative for 2019's International Year of Indigenous Languages, it was just so profound because there were so many cultures represented in that one space, and it's just amazing to see how many Indigenous languages there are in in the entire world, right? It's not just Canada, United States. And right. um, just seeing that reach and that celebration. And, you know, we were invited as well while we were there to attend um, the Australian embassies mixer. And they actually had a woman from Australia, Aboriginal woman who was the last language speaker in all of her village and all her community. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you hear stories like that, I think for both Yai and I, it was just like, wow, it, it's, it makes it so much more real that these languages are, you know, at this, like the brink of, of extinction, you know, and how important it is really for them to be preserved. So we were honored to be there and, and to represent Canada and to have, you know, our song be the official song um, for the whole world. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's almost overwhelming. It's just That's like incredible. pinch me, like, how does this even happen? But we're just, it's just a ton of gratitude. And um, yeah, that kind of set the pace for 2019. Like from Paris, we flew directly to LA and we were playing at the Jean Autry Museum. Um, wow. We were, we were showcased there as an Indigenous artist. Um, from Canada um, and it was like the embassy of Canada that had invited us to play there as well so it, w- it was insane that whole trip and I was deathly sick the whole trip oh, no. <laughs> of course right she, she was like COVID sick she was oh, like geez. the same symptoms everything like she was like we we actually oh, to oh. climatize to the uh, to the time zone in France both of us slept for about 48 hours we would just get up to go to the washroom and have uh, fresh fruit from the market and that was it right in our apartment that was like an Airbnb from the 1800s I could uh, yeah. smell the walls still to this day <laughs> <laughs> Oh my but yeah, I know it was amazing. It was so good. And I think that's just part of being a musician is sometimes, unfortunately, you have to push through the sickness because there are no sick days. Um, yeah. But it's just taking in the, the entire experience. But to kind so, of like bring into perspective of how we have defied a lot of the odds when it comes to industry is that human obviously had a very good start. It gave us a very good uh, uh, footprint uh, for, for, for that one month. But then um, we, we, we never usually went through any kind of publicist and stuff like that. We didn't do any kind of like special release stuff. So uh, everything was always organic. And then seven months later, uh, we get contacted. And then all of a sudden, this song is as if it's been recently released and pushed all over the place. And then CBC picked it up. CBC wanted to uh, add it to the CBC Music Class Challenge uh, for the 25 artists that are chosen each year by CBC to have a competition within all the schools. And, and then all of a sudden the song was all over the place. And, and so, and this is just an example of how it has been for us. Amazing. And you work with a number of like, you, you do workshops with kids as well, right? It's not just, not just the CBC pro uh, campaign, but also you, you, can you talk a bit about what you do with school? Yeah. Um, it's it's really important to both Yaya and I um, to really give back at a community level and also with the youth because really they are our, our future, every single one of us that's getting up there in age, right? Um, so it's, it's just, it's always been something that's been really near and dear to our hearts and we kind of got thrown into it really because when we first started touring together in 
2015, um, our first tour was in Nunavik, which is the region where Yai is from. And um, that's in the northern part of Quebec. So it's 14 fly-in only Inuit communities. And uh, we were up there with a company called Youth Fusion that brings music into schools and helps inspire youth to, to have different things for them to do with their time. And so um, as we were there performing as part of this nighttime evening show, um, one of the ladies said, well, can you guys come into the school the next day and just talk to the students? I think it would, it would mean a lot to them and they listen to your music. And so... I remember both of us having like complete imposter syndrome the first time we walked into that school. It's like, um, we have kids, we have our own kids, but like going into a school is like, what, what are we going to even do? You know? <laughs> and um, it was just awesome. Like it was like a music class and these kids had like uh, djembes and like they had been practicing. And so we just sang songs and we just kind of shared our stories um, and, and the things that we've been through in our lives that we felt could be in some way, perhaps inspiring to these young kids that are not always living the easiest circumstances. And so it kind of just snowballed from there where it was, it, it felt really good. I think to both of us when we did it and it was like, just to see the joy on the kids faces, it's, it's one thing to perform for adults for sure. It's amazing. But like these kids are just like sponges. Right. And mm-hmm. um, it, you know, when I th- look back to that first community from 20 and 2015, like those kids are like grown now. Right. And, and their fans on Facebooks and we remember some of the names and it's just, so cool so I mean from there we just kept working a lot in community I think like all of 2015 was touring pretty much Nunavik and and um, speaking in the schools and and chatting with these kids that were living um, you know difficult times and it's it's always hard being a kid I think a lot of people overlook that that it's like you know childhood is great but there's just so much that we're having to learn at such a rapid speed and you know the world is constantly changing and then we have the influence of our our parents and things we're hearing on the news and it's just like for a little tiny person it's just so much but we're happy to play just like a small role in that and um, now we work with a company in Ottawa called Mask. And um, we have been extremely fortunate with them as well to um, just be in so many schools. So before COVID, we were touring. And in between our tours, we would book that time to go into schools. And we do about two shows a day, uh, live shows, which is um, music and cultural uh, sharing of, of our of our knowledge and, and mm. our personal experiences and what it's like to be a musician. And um, have the arts as as a full-time job and uh it's been incredible um just the the feedback that we get and i think some of the coolest moments are like when we're playing these major festivals you know you'll see a kid in the front row and they're waving and they're so excited and then after the show they come around with their parents and they're like hey our kid made us take us to your show because you came to their school last year and like we've had a few like that that have literally like followed us like whenever we're in the region anywhere close and so for me, that's so inspiring. And, yeah. and just to hear how passionate um, even non-Indigenous youth are about, you know, reconciliation and, and making sure that Indigenous stories are are held up and um, heard. Are, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's about uh, telling the right information. Mm. Uh, I mean, I grew up uh, with the history book uh, that was very dated. Um, and often, unfortunately, I spent some time in the detention because I would uh, kind of defy what the what the history teacher was saying. And he didn't like the fact that I actually opposed his uh, theory or what the book was. And so for us, it's about telling the kids now, which are our futures to give them the right information. And and this is something that we do during our shows as well. When we, when we tour around, around Canada or the world, uh, we, 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 our banter is often based on what the culture is because a lot of the songs are, are based on that. And uh, so it's about, uh, it's about sharing. Yeah. Bridging those gaps and kind of breaking down stereotypes for sure. Making the conversations more accessible. We just uh, recently been uh, also, we just got, got contracted by Prologue, which does that in the GTA. So it's, it's a lot like, so basically Mask and Prologue are like agents that bring artists into school. Okay. I know my wife said, I was talking to her on our, our walk this evening. We'll go for a walk um, before. 
uh, this show and about the Gopher Frog every night. And um, she was mentioning that she, when I told her about yourselves and that you go into schools and work with the kids, she was uh, very, very excited to potentially reach out to you. Mm-hmm. She's uh, Blake Street Public School in Toronto. So amazing. Um, yeah. Well, we're with Prologue now, so we'll yeah. be available I'll, in all I'll, the I will let GTA her know that. schools. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That is so amazing for these kids to get uh, musicians of your caliber uh, visiting them. Uh, to not only you know expand their uh, their artistic horizons, um, but like you said, uh, yeah, you know, I guess have them here. Um, is it? I guess I guess a different version of the truth, or uh, you know, sort of your your truth, both both yours yours and Chelsea's in terms of um, indigenous history as well. That's that's fantastic. I, th- I think it's about uh, making sure that uh, sometimes, unfortunately, it's not so much uh, racism or prejudice, but sometimes it's just uh, passed on knowledge of, of ignorance. And, ignorance, yeah. And, and, and to ensure that uh, our future has has more of an understanding why there are certain things. It's like we, we want to give that aha moment in a positive sense and not yeah. to do it in an activism way, <laughs> but yeah. to do it in a positive way where it, it's just to kind of give a different aspect. And, and I think that in any marginalized group, I think a lot of the marginalized groups are very appreciative of that because they then all of a sudden know what it feels like to be on the other end of, of that uh, racistic so it's, I think it's, 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 it's an understanding that everybody all of a sudden has this uh, sharing moment and, and saying, yeah, like we're, we're all in this together. And just to clarify, he said stick with an S. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sorry, uh, listeners. <laughs> that is fine. <laughs> Yeah, my, my wife often uh, has to set, set things straight here. <laughs> Just to make sure you heard, this is what he said. <laughs> um, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, uh, Yai, um, I, I read somewhere that it's in, in your music, it's very important um, that you include, and I apologize if, if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, uh, but the the Inuk language in in uh, in most, if not all, of your music. Um, tell tell me why that's that's important for for you for the both of you. Well, Inuktitut um, is uh, is the term, and okay. uh, no worries though. Um, Inuktitut is the term, uh, or the the importance of the songwriting in regards to um, when we sing in our language, uh, because there is a lot of pride. Um, there is the rec- reclamation of languages factor as well that um, we we have uh, been uh, a part of over the last two or three years. Some of the some of the remote communities, let's say in uh, in uh, Labrador, northern Labrador, uh, some of them are are losing their language. Some some of the last speakers have have died off, and uh, they no longer have even that uh, uh, dialect. So a lot of the schools, what they have done was they started using our songs to teach Inuktitut, uh, and and often what we what we what we will get from our fans, uh, and this is uh, this is also just to understand what is uh, being said in the songs if it's someone that has lost their language, or even if it's simply just to understand the different dialects, because there are so many dialects within Canada in the Inu- Inu- Inu communities. And then if you look at the Kalalit, which are the uh, the indigenous Inuit of uh, Greenland, um, even they have a, a completely different language system. So some of the root words will, will, will be similar, but they will still ask us to send them the lyrics of the songs in English and in the uh, phonetic ways of singing it in Inuktitut uh, with Roman uh, um, uh, Roman orthography, orthography. Yeah. yeah, Roman orthography. And so um, I think it has been uh, in that in that aspect uh, with with uh, the Northwest Territories Inuit, the Nunavut Inuit, uh, a lot of the languages that are being lost over there as well. Um, it, 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 for a while there, I would say early 2000s, uh, uh, right up until uh, the, the teens, um, it was not cool to speak Inuktitut. Mm. 
And uh, sometimes, unfortunately, different dialects started to battle each other and uh, people would uh, knock down each other. And, and that, that was not necessarily coming in a, in, a, in a place of feeling superior, but through hurt. Mm. And one of the most hurtful things you can say to somebody uh, is you are not because you don't speak your language. It doesn't wow. make any sense, right? Like, I mean, if I decide to speak Spanish, does it make me Spanish? So mm. a, lot of, a lot of these words that we try to implement when we visit schools or, or when we go into songwriting workshops across, uh, across uh, North America, we, we often talk about the moments where I think it's about um, uh, privilege. It is a privilege to learn something because it is at your pace, it is at your will. And whenever you have done, you have a sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, what I wanted to sort of dovetailing off that, just talk about, I think, Chelsea, you, you grew up in the Ottawa region, is that correct? I did, yeah. Born and yeah. raised in Ottawa. <laughs> and so I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about sort of what each of you brought from different upbringings and backgrounds to the music when you collaborate. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm an only child, um, raised, you know, in Ottawa by mom and dad. Um, my mom is a Métis from Manawaki area, which is a Quebec small town. Uh, and it, it's neighboring a reserve called Kitsiganzibi. But um, for my family, it's been many generations of not ever being part of a reserve. It's just been Métis. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I, I grew up with the upbringing of knowing that I was Indigenous, but not really having that connection. So I definitely had that lack uh, and that wanting and yearning to know more about my culture and, and meet more people like me um, growing up, especially in like an urban setting you know I remember going to school we used to still use the word Indian like when I was growing up and it was like mm -hmm. yeah you know I'm Indian and I was so proud of it you know in the schoolyard I remember in elementary school and people used to say you can't be Indian you don't look like Pocahontas and you know just those things you know being a very pale-skinned person very fair person and um, it's like I had to constantly defend it you know from the time that I was a little girl but I was always very proud of it and so my mom uh, is French and my dad is English. So I kind of grew up with a French mother teaching me to speak English, which was mm. quite interesting. Um, so I'm fully bilingual. Uh, I think for myself, um, I started out writing poetry and not really knowing that that's what it was. It was just a way of, of releasing um, many things that I, I struggled with, especially in my teen years, um, like mental health and depression, anxiety, those type of things. Um, so it was like my outlet was that piece of paper. And I always loved music um, from the time I was five. It's like my earliest memory of, of singing and knowing that, that I, I could sing a little differently than other people is all my family was gathered around singing happy birthday to my grandpa. And I just like, guess I belted it out with like my full heart and the whole family just kind of stopped and looked at me. And I remember it almost like a movie um, where it was like, Oh, okay. And then they're like, do it again, Chelsea, do it again. <laughs> it's like, okay. So I did it again and I was all proud of it. But I think um, as I grew, um, my anxiety grew as well. And so mm. performing or singing in front of anyone was like the worst fear I ever had. Um, so I would just sing alone in my bedroom and my mom would buy me like karaoke CDs and like I had a karaoke machine wow. um, and she put me in vocal lessons, but even the vocal lessons, they had to be private and I had to be alone in a corner where the teacher wouldn't look at me because that was the only way that I could sing. Oh, wow. Um, so I guess the poetry kind of came in my teen years and then it wasn't really until I had my second child, um, I was home on mat leave and I was really missing music. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, I'll just get on my computer and, and find some old karaoke tracks and pitch them into, into my key of singing because I have a pretty lower voice for, for a female singer. And so I started doing that and I would record them with audience and then I would, uh, uh, was it? No, audacity. audacity. I would record them with Audacity back then with my like old laptop and then upload them to SoundCloud just for the heck of it. And so then I got fed up of singing other people's songs and I thought, well, why don't I just try it myself? So I went on Google and Google searched how to write a song and then it showed me about song structure. And I just, wow. I, 
I remember that night before I went to sleep, I just said, you know what creator, like if, if I'm meant to be a songwriter, like just give me some kind of sign, you know? And I went to sleep and I literally dreamed the entire song, like from start to finish. And I was hearing myself singing it and it was called life. And I took out my notebook and I, I wrote the whole thing down as soon as I, I woke up and it stayed the same. And so from that, it was just like the floodgates open. Like I couldn't stop writing. I just, you know, bought notebook after notebook and um, I couldn't play guitar very well or piano. Like I can play them okay, but I hear melody in my head. So when I'm writing songs, I would just take out my phone and I would sing them and um, that would capture the melody along with the lyrics. And so it was kind of a work in progress. I ended up with like so many songs and then it was like, okay, now what? You know. <laughs> what do I do? What's next? Uh, so I started looking for, for producers and just like word of mouth and uh, ended up finding um, a really nice man in the Ottawa area who had built a studio in his basement. And so he offered to, to give me a go. And that was in 2013. And I recorded my first album just to show my kids that if they have that dream, like it's, it's never too late. And I never thought I would ever perform it live because even the vocal booth was like set up in a way where my producer I couldn't see my face when I was singing the songs. Um, but yeah, that, that slowly started changing. And um, I got that album ended up on some producers desk um, in the Gatineau area. And they uh, called me up and they said, we've come across your album and we'd like to offer you um, a fully funded release show. And I was like, what, what is a release show? <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, that's where you come to our performing arts theater and we pay for everything and get all the media involved to get a buzz around your album. And it was like, okay, most artists would be like jumping up and down. And I was like, can I call you back? Because <laughs> I don't know, A, if I could perform in front of people and B, I don't have musicians. So <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go down. So I literally found a band on Kijiji mm. and um, ended up putting a band together that way. We rehearsed like two or three times. And then I had this great big release show where I thought I was going to die. Um, but by the third song, it's like, I always tell kids this in school. The third song was my magic moment where the first time in my life, I looked out at people that I did not know and actually made eye contact and saw them singing my song with me. Wow. And it was like, wow, <laughs> this is so cool. Like I can connect with people for the first time without being afraid. And um, I think from then on, it was just like, okay, how, how can I make this more of my life? And um, at a time when it should have like, you know, continued that trajectory, um, I ended up going through a pretty, you know, hard divorce. I don't think divorces are ever easy, but um, I kind of put music aside again for an entire year. And I had like a self-loathing moment on my couch one day where I was just bawling and I decided to look at an old email account and saw that I had missed an email from a casting director. It was a month old and I had been chosen to be part of a television series for upcoming Indigenous musicians. And it was going to be filmed in Quebec City. And I was like, oh, my God, as if I miss this email. And so I called the lady up and she's like, sorry, all the spots are casted. Like we didn't hear back from you. And I was like, totally bummed, but it like made me get my butt back in gear to get everything like the website back up and kind of keep dreaming about what it could be. And uh, I told her if ever there's a cancellation, just please, please call me back. And so literally a week later, she called me back. She's like, can you be here tomorrow? We have a cancellation. And so I was like, oh my God, yes. Called my mom shipped my kids off. My dad was babysitting my kids. Me and my mom drove down to Quebec city. It's about a five hour drive from here. And yeah, he happened to be on that show being filmed the same day. So that's kind of how we came to be. And so we, we do come from two totally different worlds. Um, and, uh, but I, it really does feel like fate, you know, that, that we were brought together um, that we represent all three Indigenous groups in Canada, Inuit, First Nations, and Métis, and that we're able to just marry our sounds together because we have such similar influences that we've grown up with, even though we grew up in two totally different worlds. Um, and I think our brain, both our half brains kind of make one, one whole brain. <laughs> <laughs> 
She, she's my uh, she's my Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a second. Wait, is, is this going to cause a fight? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Which one am I on the album cover where we're standing one in front of the other, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah, I've had, I've had that haircut. <laughs> I was going to say, who, who has the better hair? <laughs> Um, to, to also clarify, she yeah, said yeah. shipped. Oh. You, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can swear if I, I don't if, if you know Sass Jordan, we had Sass on here, and we've had a couple of other guests, and uh, and and it's all, all swearing's out the window now. After oh, that, nice. that's, that's and awesome. I love Sass, and we're saying that with with much love. It was uh, it was a, it was a fun time. Don't yeah. don't tell me that. So we're all good. I, I need I need a swear jar. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, sorry, my song, my story, my song, my story was really long. So, no, that was great. <laughs> what you want to add it. to that? Love it. <laughs> it's hard to make that a short story. Yeah, I wanted what she, to, what she said. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. What she said, yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about about your, um, I guess the, the the songwriting process. Um, you know, you 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 both had um, success individually. Um, you probably have your own process individually. Um, uh, I don't know who impressed who over the campfire in Quebec city. Um, but when, when you guys got together and you, and you start writing, I know it took one month to write human, but how do you come together to write music and, and, you know, how do you sort of bring what, what you're used to and, and sort of work together to create uh, music now? It was tough in the beginning because um, uh, certain songs in certain ways, like I, I didn't grow up with any kind of musical training or anything like songwriting or, or anything like that. I just kind of ad-libbed. Um, a, a kind of an anecdote, I guess, to that is uh, the first year I started touring uh, was the summer of 2014. That's the year that Chelsea and I met. And I had started uh, playing guitar and singing songs the year before that. And wow. I just started kind of like, uh, I guess, um, putting songs in the internet. And then all of a sudden I'm getting these invitations to go to corporate gigs uh, that, that following winter. Um, and then um, that spring, I started going and doing some workshops with another known artist. Uh, um, and... I think from there for me was more of an excuse to party and drink. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately that started to take a really bad turn. And uh, the aha moment to that, I guess, was when, when I was up on stage uh, half cut, uh, people were actually singing my songs word for word. And I was ad-libbing the whole time. And, and then I would start seeing the bewilderment of, of people. And I started feeling a little bit embarrassed that other people knew my songs more than I did. Mm. Uh, and so that's when I became sober. And that summer I had met Chelsea around the fire. Um, her, uh, her beauty obviously was, was uh, what caught my eye. Uh, and she was able to sing harmonies right away to my cover song of Outside by Aaron Lewis of uh, Stained. Um, and uh, that, that was interesting for me. Uh, I was in a relationship then, so I wasn't really looking. Uh, but uh, I was bold enough to actually have her throw her bad shoes that she wore. <laughs> he hated my shoes. He thought I was beautiful, but he said the hooker shoes got to go. So oh they did go. My. They did go. <laughs> and then <laughs> my feet have never been happier. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, when we started to uh, uh, look at the possibilities of touring for the following winter, uh, was going to be the first uh, year that I would be sober doing this. Um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it. And that, that, that year we were just kind of singing each other's songs when, when that started. Uh, so we weren't really songwriting per se yet. Um, and all of a sudden uh, the summer became so filled uh, and then we, we started considering uh, releasing our album and, and throughout the whole spring summer process, we were starting to write songs. And sometimes, unfortunately, it was uh, budding heads uh, <laughs> because uh, we both had either imposter syndrome 
or we were both kind of full of ourselves. Mm. Uh, and so <laughs> it, uh, it ended up being uh, quite frustrating at times. So we would just kind of end up going in separate rooms and start writing and then, and then mesh them together. And what, what, what mm. was really cool and, and uh, uh, interesting was sometimes I'd start playing a song and I'm more of the melody guy. I let the lyrics come later. And the melody is usually what 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 was uh, inspiring the song, and something that she started singing to. I, I was singing in Inuktitut, and then mm-hmm. she was actually following in the same same tone, same melody line, uh, in in exactly the translated words almost. So we we found that really really uh, good, and uh, I think it took about a year year and a half to actually hone in on actually accepting that um, Chelsea is the much stronger English writer. Uh, I, I end up being the melody finder mm. and to whatever song she's writing or thinking about um, all of a sudden right away, I find music in my head uh, and, and start playing along with it. And so we've kind of used those strengths uh, to, uh, of each other. And, and then obviously the vocabulary, um, we, we share vocabulary and, and if she doesn't understand something, I'll, 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 I'll say, okay, this is it. And then if I don't understand something, she says, this is it. And then so we've, we've, we've come to learn to work together in that aspect. That's, that's awesome. I have, I have, because I, I know time is coming to an end here. Um, I have two questions for you. Uh, one question I always ask, but the first question I don't ask is, am I able to find that outside cover anywhere online? You, uh, no, no, we should Gosh. do that. We should. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear that. Uh, the next, uh, the, the, the question that we always like to ask our guests as we wrap up is what, what's, what are you both listening to? What's in, what's in your earbuds lately? I am a diehard Brandy Carlisle fan. Um, really? I can like listen to her over yeah. and over and over again. I just, I just love her songwriting and everything that she embodies and brings to the table. Um, yeah. I think she's always kind of my go-to. Um, I'm trying to think who else, who do I listen to? I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music because, hey, we're sure. almost there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for myself lately, uh, I've been listening to what I used to listen to quite a bit, which which just happens to be that is outside uh, the acoustic version. And that's mm-hmm. the version that uh, he does with Fred Durst from Limp yep. Bizkit. Yep. So a lot of that style, like metalcore music, but played acoustically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's 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 what I've got inspired in the first place mm-hmm. is that style of music because it, it's it's just kind of like uh, learning to operate as a, uh, a big rock band like that they, they end up uh, doing acoustic sets so they find interesting ways to play guitar mm-hmm. and and sing so I think lately that's 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 what I've been listening to quite a bit I awesome. really actually need to add to that so I just finished reading um, uh, a book uh, about Alanis Morissette and being from oh. Ottawa, you know, I grew up with her stuff, but being a songwriter now, I, I've really taken this past week to just dive into her library and it's just, it's amazing. Like really? I'm just appreciating it on like so many different levels right now. And then having read like the inside of like how her career came to be, it was just so, so inspiring. Um, and just so awesome. So what's the one I've been listening to on repeat? Uninvited. Uh, uninvited. uninvited. And there's this amazing cover of it that is in that um, Tiny Little Fires Everywhere, that movie or that season that came out with Reese Witherspoon recently. Uh, it blows my mind. It's so, so awesome and so huge. But yeah, sorry. I could go on no, and on. No, no. <laughs> this has been a fun chat. I, I can't wait to... Uh, to see you guys play live uh, when, when we can safely do that. Um, but thanks so much for spending time with us. I really appreciate it, Chelsea and uh, Yai. We really appreciate it too. This was a lot of fun. It's often uh, when we get new questions that we don't often get to uh, answer or, or hear, it's, it's always very, uh, very fun.
Yes. Thanks. And and I'm the one that asked the better questions. Is that true? <laughs> okay. So which one of you is <laughs> Simon or which one is you, Garfunkel? <laughs> uh, where, Chelsea, if, if people want to dive into uh, your music more, uh, where where can they go? Where, where should they uh, uh, go yeah. for well, thanks again for having us. Chi uh, thank you in Algonquin language. Nakukmik is thank you. People can find us at our main place, which is www.twinflamesmusic.com. And all of our socials are listed right there um, on the website. So we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, we invite people to check out our YouTube channel. We have some pretty incredible um, videos that have been filmed up in the Arctic, as well as uh, many documentaries and a lot of fun stuff that, that we've kind of done along our journey. So it's kind of the, the main places which people can come find us we're on spotify too um pretty much every listening platform itunes music amazon all that stuff so we really hope people will check out our new album omen um which we're so super proud of actually yeah we have the uh the cd version is the gapless version an ode to the 80s Mm. Uh, very very nice uh, soundscaping in between the songs so uh, you can find that on our website as well. We can ship it out to you wherever you go. And uh, simply just check out also on Google, Twin Flames Music, and make sure to add music to Twin Flames. Yeah. And we even have like an eight minute and 50 second song on that album, the title track, Omen. <laughs> so again, awesome. we break the rules. We break the rules. <laughs> there you go. That's the, that's the way to do it. Uh, Twin Flames, it is, uh, we've been chatting with Chelsea and Yai, again, thank you, thank you. This has been really fun for us. Same. Thank you. Stay safe. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Back at you. Thank you. Bye.